Friends, you're listening to Untethered Podcast, and I'm your host, Katie Vogel. The vision for Untethered Podcast is to create an opportunity for you to get a fresh perspective on life's hard seasons, to see how God works in the middle of pain, to know you're not alone in whatever you're going through, and to learn to walk in freedom even if you don't see your circumstances change the way you want them to. Every episode of Untethered is a conversation between me and an amazing woman who's been through some stuff and learned to navigate difficulty with grace. And I hope that whether you're driving to work or folding laundry or sitting in a carpool line or settling in with a cup of coffee, you feel like you're sitting right next to us and sharing this experience with us. My guest for today is my friend Kaylee Berkland, who is a wife and a mama who waited a really long time to be a mama. Kaylee and her husband Drew have been through many ups and downs on their journey to grow their family over the last 10 years. She's developed a big passion for adoption and gained so much wisdom as she has faithfully walked this journey out with the Lord. I'm excited for you to hear her story and be encouraged by the incredible perspective she has when it comes to seasons of waiting. If you feel like you've been waiting for a promise for what feels like forever, this one is especially for you. Here's my conversation with Kaylee. Hey, Kaylee. Hi, Katie. (laughs) Thanks so much for being on Untethered Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. I am excited to be here. I'm thrilled to be joining you today. Well, okay, tell us a little bit about you and your season of life. I am in a really interesting season. Um, I am always a wife, and I have only been a mom for three years now, Um, but those two roles take up like a lot of my time um good stuff of course um probably for the past two years i've been in a season of really um a lot of depth a lot of digging through a lot of things that i've been through and i would say the season that i'm in right now is a very settled season um the lord has revealed a lot of things and looking forward to what he has for us this year for sure yeah so you're just kind of sitting in a peaceful place. Yes, ma'am. That's I awesome. I'm definitely in a peaceful and a very hopeful, too. Holding both of those words very close to my heart right now. Just very hopeful um, about what the Lord has for us. That's so awesome. I mean, yes. it's been quite a journey to get to that place. It has. It has. <laughs> it's been a very long journey to get to that place. Tell us about it. Um. Well, Drew and I have almost been married for 10 years. It'll be 10 years in June. Um, and Y'all um, going on a 10-year trip? We are. We are going to Charleston in a couple of weeks, and I am so excited to celebrate. We're not really big trip takers, but we said that this year we definitely were going to go somewhere. Um, but, yeah, so we are about to celebrate 10 years and the past 10 years have been a journey and at the top of the list of things that we've experienced are um, growing our family. That has been something that has been a struggle for most of the time that we've been married and um, Drew and I wanted to grow our family pretty early on in our marriage, um, probably a year, year and a half into our marriage. Um, and through a lot of different seasons, fertility treatments, a lot of throwing of things, a lot of screaming, (laughs) a lot of crying, um, the Lord, um, really brought me to a place with going through all of that, um, brought us to adoption. He, um, he led us through a really, 
a season of wilderness and a season of really hard um, for about six or seven years and of things just really not going my way, the way that I thought they should go. And um, we did not know it at the time, but the Lord had always had this plan for adoption to be woven into our story and um, and obviously in our daughter's story. And um, so in 2013, we actually did fertility treatments and after they were all finished, um, I was probably the lowest I had ever been as far as depression-wise. Mm-hmm. And um, After you knew that it, they hadn't been affected? Yes, because I had really taken things into my own hands and really just said, you know what, Lord, like if you're not going to make this happen, then I will. Mm-hmm. And we all know how that ends. You know, <laughs> we do not have control, you know, and, and that is one of the main lessons. And I don't really like to... Lessons sometimes has a bad connotation to it, but that really is, you know, one of the things that I've learned Mm -hmm. is, you know, you really just don't have control over these types of things. Um, And so we, after those failed treatments, um, my mom had probably one of the most important conversations she's ever had with me. And it was a very pivotal moment in our journey. And um, she told me that... um, I wasn't being around people like I didn't really want friends I didn't want to go to church I didn't um, I was just very sad and angry and she was just like you know this is not you like the Lord has more for you I know that you don't have what you want Um, and then Drew and I had a very silly conversation about adoption and um, something that a lot of people say um, which was said to me a lot was um, you know, well, why don't you just start the process, you know, we'll get pregnant. And so Drew and I joked about this, seriously joking about it, because we knew that that's not how the Lord's plan worked, you know. And so I talked to him a few days later, and I said, you know, are we are we really going to start this process? And he said, well, I think we should pray about it. And for three months, I said nothing about him, about adoption to him. And then in August of 2013, he came to me and he said, I'm ready to start the process. So started the process did was that in your heart from the beginning of time I mean I know that y'all y'all's struggle with infertility was how long our struggle with infertility was was I mean seven years before we before Before we adopted so has I mean so that was what you were pushing for and that was your focus was biological children at that time had adoption also always been a part of your vision for your family right um In 2005, I graduated high school, and then I actually um, participated in YWAM, Youth with a Mission, and I actually moved to Denver. And then I spent um, two months in Malaysia and Indonesia, and the Lord opened my eyes um, Mm -hmm. to adoption when I was over there for that amount of time. And honestly, I knew what adoption was, but it never had, like, um, I guess gotten to my heart in a sense. Um, I mean, I came back to the States asking my parents questions about adoption and, you know, why did it not ever enter their hearts and why did right. they, you know, why did they not choose it? And so it was very, it became a passion and something that I was concerned about and prayerful about, but did not know how it would, you know, enter our story or be in our story. And I actually remember, and it's funny because Drew doesn't remember this about, um, about me asking him this, but he 
when we were when he actually asked me to marry him we were actually broken up that's another story for another day but (laughs) we were broken up and I said you know I really need you to be okay with adoption and he said in that same conversation yes wow and he said you know if we can't have our own children which he meant biological Mm -hmm. if we can't have our own children then yes so, and that was fine with me in that season of life that we were in. Little did I know what would take place the Absolutely. next seven years, you know. So you got to the place where Drew was like, okay, I'm ready. And then... Yes. So then we... Adoption started. The process. Then the process started. Yeah. And so then um, we decided that we were going to go to with um, an agency in Birmingham. And we started the home study process, which took about three months. It's kind of up to you. Um, how long that process takes and then we actually became active which means that birth mothers start looking at your profiles or your scrapbooks whichever term you want to use um, uh, day after Christmas at the end of 2014 and um, we actually waited an entire year from December 14 to December 15 without getting chosen and um, Drew actually part of that process is that you are able to look at um, your actually send your information and your profiles to birth mothers and they're able to choose you and say yes or no well the drew actually took over that whole process for me um and i was able to heal that just entire because the year. whole i mean the back and forth and yes, the maybe it's and like all a roller stuff. coaster it's, it's really already hard. coming out of the infertility mm-hmm. and the ups and downs of that and the yes and the no's and the doctor's appointments and you know, getting your hopes up and then it not happening what you want to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, he just really said, I can handle this for us. And in my heart was able to heal. Like I had a whole year of just um, really, you know, not knowing what was happening. I was able to heal so much in that time. And mm-hmm. then we were able, well, then we actually got connected with Evie's birth mother in December of 2015. So... Finally. I actually remember the day, not, I mean, the day I found out. I think it was the day you found out, too. Were we at Christmas services in Auburn? Was that the same day that you found out? I remember I just, like, ran up to you. And I, I mean, I didn't even know you that well. Right. <laughs> I was like, because I remember we've been praying for you for a really long time for y'all to be placed. You, we were just, like, waiting, waiting for that day to come. And yes. so we were just thrilled. What was it like to finally get placed? What was that? moment I mean (laughs) that was it was really just in all of the details of how it worked out was just God's faithfulness was just in every little bit of it you know you could see like and people say you know when your promise comes to you and when you start seeing the details you realize you kind of forget the pain and the things that you've experienced to an extent and it was just it was just God's faithfulness just over and over again and just um, and also having the connections with her birth family and being able to get to know them and then you know walking through we got to go to ultrasounds and I got to do a gender reveal the Lord gave me so many gifts Mm -hmm. along the way as if I were carrying her and um, it was just things that I expected um, to not be able to do Mm -hmm. the Lord allowed me to experience them um, and then Evie was born, you know, seven months later on May 6th. And we actually got to be in the delivery room. 
and I was able to cut the cord and everything. Wow, that is remarkable. I mean, I know it's such a vulnerable process for the adoptive parents, and it's such a brave process for birth moms too. I just think that that whole dynamic must be really difficult to navigate, and I know you've talked about your your birth mom so many times, or you've birth yes. mom so many times. I can't go a day without without either praying for her or just or seeing her when I look at Evie. Um, and because of how selfless and brave she was, you know, I got to be a mom. And, you know, that's never going to be lost on me. Because of her sacrifice and because of her love for Evie first, you know, I was able to become a mom mm-hmm. for the first time. And it is, it is most definitely a, an intricate and difficult and, you know, hard process, but so much redemption comes from the brokenness, you know? Absolutely. Um, and just, you know, just so honored to be Evie's mom, so. And I know that you've told me before that you th- you know that the reason that God allowed this infertility journey to go on as long as it had has is because you knew Evie needed to be first. Right. You know, and that's one of the things, one of the very personal things that Evie's birth mother told me when we, probably the second time that we were able to talk, she actually told me that one of the main reasons she chose us was because we didn't already have children. Mm -hmm. And mm, that is huge. It's, I mean, it's the Lord. He's in every single detail. And... I can't imagine my life without her. And I would do all of those seven years again of waiting. And because she's the biggest blessing of my life. She's your daughter. Yes. (laughs) She's the biggest blessing. And the waiting was hard and the waiting was not fun um, most of the time. But receiving the promise of... A daughter um, through the gift of adoption has been just the greatest and it's changed us. So now adoption is just this huge part of your story and a huge part of your heart. Um, Tell everybody a little bit about what has come out of this adoption journey even though that was kind of like something that was so far in the back of y'all's minds now it is like the passion of your life. Yes (laughs) ma'am. Talk about that. Because of the journey through infertility, I started blogging and sharing a really long time ago. The Lord laid it on my heart, and I was obedient in that. And when we switched sort of our journey from infertility to adoption, um, I, you know, kind of changed things over. I started a new blog, and I really got involved on the online community as far as adoption goes. And um, I just considered my place in this um, in the adoption world as an encourager like I want to be there for someone Mm -hmm. that is experiencing this and maybe doesn't have the support system that I had in real life I want to be this person I want to be a voice for that community I want to be there for people that don't know how to start the process or they don't have anyone to turn to and so because I had experienced it I, I had 
experience in it and I was also able to speak into others lives so by starting my blog cheers to plan a I was writing about um, adoption and sharing our story um, and then this past um, August I had been praying about what the Lord would have me do as far as blogging and sharing and um, and the community that I'm involved in on Instagram and the Lord laid it on my heart that fundraising is my passion that's where what I really enjoy the what, part of the process that I really enjoy because it's one of the hardest parts about the adoption process. It is, and the funds. and a lot of people don't want to ask for support, and I totally understand that. We had our own conversations about that before we started the process, and to those to those women that I message and talk to, I say, people want to be involved in your story. They want to be involved in bringing your baby home. And um, it's, it's an honor for them. And so what I did was I just basically turned Cheers to Plan A into a platform to fundraise for adoptive families. And, um, and we've, we've steadily for about five or six months now chosen a family every month and fundraise all month long for them and all of the money just goes directly to them. And you've seen a huge benefit for these families through that? Yes, not only are they building community and support around them relationally, they're building support as in funds for their mm -hmm. adoption and it's such a huge burden that's lifted off of them and people are rallying around them and cheering them on even though it's online. You know, it's it still is just as important, and um, we mostly do the adoption the adoption auction. So, like auctioning things off, which is very exciting for people because they kind of get in a competition a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's been really fun getting to come alongside them and watch them be excited about the process because most people dread that side of the process. Absolutely. Well, and I actually I just love I know that. When you started it, you're going cheers to plan A as far as like, um, here's to it, here's, and just like loving it, but like cheering people on. I mean, it's just this whole other. That's so true. Second side of the world. Think word. about that it's side like of it. We're cheering you into adoption. Yes. And I love that. And I think, I mean, God laid that name on your heart way before he gave you the idea for the um, fundraising thing. And I just think that that's like. Right. I mean, it's perfect. I love the way that he postured you to be able to ben to bless those families to such an extent because I mean, it is such a burden. And it, there's so many different things. I mean, just watching friends. I mean, I haven't gone through the adoption process, but watching friends walk through it, there's so many other things to worry about right. in addition to the financial burden it's just a lot right so and in the you know and in the end obviously you're going to say whatever you have to do mm -hmm. whatever means necessary we want to get the baby we want to get our baby home mm -hmm. and so the the main statement or you know questions that I get um if I mention adoption or if something like that well how in the world did you afford that it costs so much money mm -hmm. And I, I just, you know, the Lord's in it. The Lord's mm -hmm. in it. He wants to bring babies to their homes. Mm -hmm. And I just believe that 
you you use the resources around you you get people on your team and there's absolutely nothing wrong with fundraising mm -hmm. and letting people in on the story and and people love that yeah they want to be a part of the story they want to be a part of supporting your dreams and bringing your baby home I mean I want to be a part of that you know um, and especially like when you it's I think it's harder when you don't have a big community around you and I can imagine that people who are in places where they are not surrounded by community are kind of like going I don't even know where I would begin with fundraising so what would you say to someone who's not surrounded by a bunch of people who love them and are like kind of chomping at the bit to be able to help support that I would definitely say the online community is there like I have received so much support along with my real life friends I would say Instagram and Facebook are an amazing place um, to find support and love and um, obviously I am here I would love to speak with with anyone who wants to fundraise or begin the the road to adopting a baby um, but I would say that fundraising yes is lofty and it seems like a lot of money and it seems like all of these things but it's just one step at a time and every step is closer to your baby i wanted to take a moment to tell you a little more about what kaylee does with cheers to plan a every month cheers to plan a raises funds for an adoptive family through social media fundraisers the two main fundraisers they facilitate are t-shirt sales and auctions for products donated by various online shops Obviously, the more people participate in these fundraisers, the closer these families get to being able to adopt their little ones. So if you're interested in helping make that happen, head over to at cheers to plan a underscore adoption underscore on Instagram and give them a follow. That's at cheers to plan a underscore adoption underscore. You'll be introduced to a new adoptive family every month and have the opportunity to be a part of bringing their babies home. If you'd like to donate directly to the family, please connect with Cheers to Plan A through direct message. You can also apply to be a featured family by clicking on the link in their bio. Now let's get back to Kaylee's story. So now you have Evie, and she's going to be three really soon. And so um, what's next? I mean, I know y'all want a den full of kids. So like, this what is, is very next? True. What's next in the Brooklyn family growing journey? You know... Because of everything that was learned the seven years before Evie got into our arms, um, we are very quick to be on our knees about what the Lord has for us. And um, we want to adopt more children, but we also believe that the Lord has called us and is going to allow us to have biological children. Um, the timing of all of that is obviously out of our hands, but we are willing and ready um, with our hands open for whatever the Lord has for us. I think that's amazing. I think, I mean, it's it's so brave to continue to believe for that. And I just, you guys, you guys amaze me because you're so um, just steady on with, with what you feel like the Lord has called you to do for your family. I think that's just, it really is remarkable. So, you, I mean, you said that you're getting to a place of being settled and after a t almost 10-year journey with infertility, how do you get to a place of being settled in the waiting 
And how is that different from when you started and even like two years ago? I think that the main the main reason why I'm settled is that I know that I'm not in control. I also know that whatever the Lord has for me is the best, the ultimate best. So if that means my children are five years apart, if that means that I don't have another biological child for 10 more years, if that means that whatever that looks like, watching my story unfold for the last 10 years and watching Evie come when she did Mm -hmm. and all of those details being perfectly placed and all of the people that were involved, it just, that settles me. That settles Drew and I both. Um, I know that he has the best. And when I get flustered or if I get unhappy or I, you know, obviously see something on social media because we all know that sometimes those types of things um, fluster us a little bit, I go back to the truth of the Lord has got this. Mm -hmm. He's had me all of these years before, and He won't stop now. And I am, I'm just really... I'm just really hopeful and settled and the Lord worked last week last year um, on my heart in the area of my diet (laughs) she just gave me a funny look (laughs) I totally just gave Katie a funny look because this is the part of the story where Katie um, really had a a big voice and played a huge part in it and I know that the Holy Spirit works, and it was really cool that that He worked with in Katie and I's relationship, but also that He spoke to her to tell me something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was just—it's been—it's been a really cool a cool thing as far as our relationship goes. Yeah, it's been really cool. Um, so. For reference, Kaylee keeps my baby boy on Thursdays. I do. Um, so we get to hang out a little bit every week, which has been awesome. But um, as I just remember when I was praying for you, and I just I knew that you were like, this is what I'm believing for. I'm believing for biological children. I'm believing that God's going to heal my endometriosis. And, I, you know, and so we were going into... Gosh, were we going into 21 days or were we just like standing in prayer? I can't remember. Just standing in prayer. So we were just going to stand in prayer for those things. You mean you just kind of drew a line in the sand and you were like, and if the Holy Spirit tells you anything, let me know. And as soon as I read that text, I was like, I wonder if there's a diet for endometriosis. (laughs) Because, I mean, and the Lord is awesome that way because I have celiac disease, so I can't eat gluten. And I know that when I stopped eating gluten, I stopped being sick. I was sick for 24 years (laughs) before I stopped eating gluten. I just didn't know. I had no clue. And so I was like, I wonder if there is an endo diet. And I asked you and you were like, yeah, <laughs> I think I that was, there is. I was like, I think that there is. And why is, th- it was like blinders. Yeah. It was literally like for the past, I guess, 2012 is when I had my surgery. So however long that is, I'm not doing math in my head right now. Six six years it's like the lord for whatever reason and i know that probably i'm i'm never going to know all the facets of it but probably the adoption journey had a good bit to do with that that blinder a very beneficial blinder but yes i mean the lord the lord in 2016 and most of 2017 
I felt spiritually like I was on somewhat of a cliff, like this one last thing that the Lord needed to reveal to me. And I had no idea what it was um, before I could move into a new season. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I just texted Katie and probably two two or three other friends and literally, and I remember looking back, and it was 30 minutes after I had sent the original text, which means you obviously had prayer, you know, obviously you had been praying, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit spoke to you and was just, and revealed that to mm-hmm. you. And then, when, yeah, when she texted me that back, I was like, of course I've heard of a diet. I know I've read something about that. And then that weekend, I talked with a few of my friends that also have endometriosis, and of course, all of them said, yes, I do not eat dairy or gluten. And I was like, what in the world? Well, I remember you telling me, you are like, the only thing that I've ever done a diet for is to lose weight. And that's just, that was a big part of just your journey was, that was what the focus was. And, and you had said, if God's going to, if God's going to give me a baby, he's going to give it to me because of nothing I've done, you know? Yes, and you had gotten was, to that place where you kind of mm-hmm. like had pigeonholed. Um, and I remember you saying that and I was like, he does lots of different things and, and he was, uses so many different ways to heal. Exactly. And I was so thankful of, again, bigger picture with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like you had experienced all of these years of pain and not eating gluten was the healing. Oh. Oh, yes. And well, and I had actually, honestly, up until like four months before I got diagnosed with 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 celiac, I people had always spoken over me that everybody has their thing and yours is sickness. And so that was just something that I lived with. (laughs) And that's something that I had to actually taken on. Because just people my whole life have been like, I guess everybody has their thing and you're just going to be sick. And so I've been living, I had, I lived my life for years afraid I was going to get cancer because that's what happens right. to sickness, Katie. Except it doesn't, like that's not true. And I remember when I was in ministry school and I was in class and we were talking about lies and truth. And trying to realize the things that we have been believing for a long time. And I realized that, like, I had been agreeing with the idea that I was going to be sick for the rest of my life. Wow. And I was like, I believe that God has good plans for me. And I'm going to stop agreeing with that. And my whole class, like, laid hands on me. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to. There's, there's hope now, at least. And I mean, the Lord, he, four months after 24 years of being sick, it's insane. And so, I, I mean, I just can't even say the difference that it's made in my life. So um, it's just interesting how, how we kind of get, we just get blinded to, um, we get blinded by what people say to us. We get blinded by um, just, I don't know, the monotony of our experience never changing. So Right, exactly. Yeah. And, it, and the monotony of it was the fact, well, and it was more like a roller coaster or a, you know, just a back and forth with the weight loss. Mm-hmm. That was the only reason, like you said earlier, that was the focus for so long. Right. Like, I'm not going to change my diet. The only reason why I'm going to change my diet is to lose weight. 
And that's the only way I had viewed it. Mm -hmm. And like you said a little bit ago as well, and I did say these words, Katie is exactly right. I was very concerned about I wanted the Lord to get all of the glory. And so even fertility treatments and all of these things, and mm -hmm. their side note, there is absolutely nothing wrong with those with that direction because I have been there. And um, But I just really... I was really wanting just the full, like the Lord has to get all of the glory, so I cannot do anything. Mm -hmm. But that was just, that was not what he had for me, taking those steps. Right. And it was all about a perspective change. Mm -hmm. um, it was all about, you know, if removing these things from my diet, let's just watch it and see. Right. Be mindful of what my body is doing and my pain levels. And I actually decided to cut dairy first. If you remember, because I was in the kind of hard. <laughs> yes, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how dairy was so much easier for me, which is interesting to think back on it. Dairy was so much um, easier for me than gluten. Um, because gluten's in everything. Because it is in everything. And I am noticing that more and more and more <laughs> as the days go on. And um, But my pain actually... Um, and those of you that maybe are listening that have endometriosis or a diagnosis like that, um, my, on the scale, mine is the milder side, um, but I definitely had my share of, of pain, and it was detrimental um, during that time of the month. And I, um, I slowly saw some differences, but not, but it wasn't completely gone. And so that's when, when 21 days rolled around, 21 days of prayer and fasting, this year, at the beginning of this year, I asked the Holy Spirit to, to show me what to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I did not want it to be a diet. I wanted whatever the Lord had for me. I did, again, perspective changed, looking at it differently. Um, and now you I, didn't want to look at it as I'm going to lose weight doing this. Exactly. And that has been the biggest perspective change that I have I have never in my 31 years of life, in the last, I would say, probably 10 or 15 years of dieting and losing weight and gaining weight, I have never viewed food and diet and exercise in my body and even my body image the way that I have in the last six months ever. And it has been one of the most freeing things I have ever experienced. And the Lord actually showed me and spoke to me before 21 days that that I needed to go ahead and cut out gluten and also soda, which I was also addicted to. Um, <laughs> Literally, you call me a lot of Thursdays and say, can you bring, or you used to. Yes. You don't anymore. I don't can anymore, but Katie, Coke, please. Katie often got a text on her way to my house. Can you please get me a large Diet Coke? I I've had it with these babies. <laughs> these babies, bless them. I love them so much, but I need it. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, the things that you depend on the most right now need to be removed. And soda, as silly as it sounds, was one of those coping mechanisms oh, that I had. It's not silly. I mean... Sugar is addicting. Right. It has addictive qualities. Right. It in, sounds silly when itself. you say it, though. Yeah. It's, it's like... It does, but it, it's, it's not. <laughs> it's not because it's very common. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, but, I mean, it's just been... It's been, I feel like, a lifelong like lesson compacted into six months. Mm -hmm. Just, I have never... 
and I keep saying this, but I, and when I say the word never, I really mean the word never. I have never been this healthy on the inside. Mm-hmm. Like I feel, and I'm not even talking about externally, like in how I look and my clothes and all of that and the weight and the, not even talking about that. The inside, like I feel so good on the inside. Like I know that, um, and I'm happy to report that I am almost completely pain-free from endometriosis. That's incredible. Isn't that insane? That like one change can make all the difference in the world. That's why, I mean, like, that's why I brought up the whole thing with celiac is just like, we can't put him in a box because he brings revelation at specific times and he brings medicine into our lives at specific times. So if we're saying he's only going to heal me in this one way, then, I mean, it's kind of like the story where it's like the man was drowning and the God sent a boat and yes. a plane. And he's like, no, God's going to save me. And he's like, <laughs> he got to heaven. He's like, I thought you were going to save me. And he's like, I sent you a boat and a plane. I sent you two ways <laughs> to save you. And we did, you know, and he, you know, we're waiting on a the, specific like, thing, the water to wine type of miracle. And it's much more of like we we take a we take one step, and then it's all of a sudden he brings so much to light. I I am so excited for you, and just the fact that you feel so awesome—it's just the best ever. It's the it's amazing, and it's and it's so interesting to me how it's it was almost something that was holy and spirit led mm-hmm. that kept me from making the decision to move forward with cutting things out of my diet. It's this, I want God to get the glory. Right. It's almost like it, there is absolutely nothing wrong with we wanting the Lord to get the glory, but you also have to open your hands and be willing to make changes to move and step out in that direction. And that was the step that he needed me to take. Absolutely. Well, and he, I mean, he still, yeah, he still gets it. Exactly. He still gets all the glory. I mean, you, he made your body, and he knows what your body needs, and he made those things too. You know what I mean? And like, I, I just think it's he's in all of it. So he's I, every I bit. just it's so awesome that you were willing to take that step, and you're seeing so much fruit from it now. So in the midst of a journey with infertility and through adoption and just like lots of unknowns like I want to build my family and sometimes you get to the point where you're like I don't even care how it happens I just want to build my family and then these seasons where it seems like waiting is forever what can people do now in their season to move toward being settled the way that you are yeah I think that the main thing and there's a lot of things I feel like that have happened over the years but the biggest difference that I found in my heart and in myself was when I reached out to other people that were journeying through the same thing that I was journeying through and you found someone that said hey I'm going through this too Mm -hmm. and then you were able to walk together hand in hand with the Lord because um he will make the difference. He will settle your heart. Mm-hmm. He will give you hope. And he's present in those relationships. He's he can... present in the relationships. Mm-hmm. And it made, that made one of the biggest differences um, is allowing people in. And that doesn't have to be on a huge platform. That can be in a small group. That could be on a one-on-one. That could be in a text conversation. Um, 
but just letting someone know where you are because isolation in anything, but especially infertility, if the enemy is able to get you isolated, he is going to feed you lies. And um, we cannot have people hearing those lies. Right. And um, what, are the big, what are the biggest lies? Like the biggest people lie, need to be listening for. Yes, yes, yeah. ma'am. The biggest lie that I experienced and that I heard over and over again is that I did something to deserve this weight. I did something that prevented me from not being able to get pregnant or that I deserved um, not getting this gift. And the truth of that is, is that the waiting was not a punishment. It wasn't. And the waiting is still not a punishment. And um, that was the one that the enemy continued to tell me over the years. And obviously, I fought it hard. And I fight lies with worship music. And um, if I feel that I'm being consumed with something or if I feel overcome by a lie, the worship music gets turned on. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's, it's just singing truth over you. I mean, all the scripturally-based songs that just sing truth over you all the time. And then and the Lord inhabits his, the praises of his people. So exactly. he's, he's in that. Exactly. But yes, I would say that that is the biggest, that's the biggest lie. And when, when I've mentioned that to others, that's the same lie that they're told. Mm-hmm. You know, so he can't come up with new stuff. Like, yeah. this is old. This is yeah. old news. Well, especially with women, it's just like, hey, how about some insecurity for you? Exactly. <laughs> how about here's some not, insecurity? Here's some not being enough. <laughs> come on, man. We, we're on to you. And that's one of the reasons why speaking these things out is so important, is that it's just not truth. None of that is truth. So for the people who are in relationship with others who are going through infertility or in small groups of people, what do people need to not say <laughs> to people? Oh, who, my goodness. <laughs> to this, is this. this is a can of worms. This is a can of worms. I think um, it's all... It's, it's very difficult because people's hearts are not in a bad place. Yeah, they're And that is a truth. <laughs> yes, that is, that is where, that's one of the places that I had to get to, was that it was about my heart and my intentions, and it's not about the person that's asking me the questions. And um, I would probably tell, I'm probably just going to tell you the things that I, the questions that I have removed from my vocabulary, and that might be beneficial for, (laughs) for those that are, that are listening and wondering. And, um, I do not ask people most of the time, even if they have children, if I meet a couple for the first time, I don't even bring it up. Um, yeah, you're not like, so when are you guys going to have kids? Or do I you do, want kids? Or? I do not ask, do you want kids? Do you have kids? Um, I do not ask people when they are going to have another child. Yeah. Um, I do not ask a newlywed couple when they're going to have children. Um, First of all, it's not your business. <laughs> it's just, it's <laughs> not. Line, it's not your business. It's not. And it's, and and it's very, uh, it's a hard road to navigate. And I've been so vocal about our journey 
Um, and so a lot of people know, know where I am because I talk about it on social media. So it's been a long time since I've kind of gotten those questions. Um, and questions about, you know, this is not my story, but I have a lot of friends that have multiple children, twins or triplets. And the people just ask them, well, did you do I did you do IVF to get your children or things along that nature? You know, the best thing to say when you see children or when you see a family is just your family is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And believe it at that. <laughs> and um, or compliment the mom on the great job that she's doing mm-hmm. or, you know, say how helpful the dad is being or it's it's really challenged me in both infertility and adoption um, and even foster care because I have a good bit of friends that are involved in that journey um, and I'm learning more and more in, in that area as well but just our language is just so important it's so important and um, just to be encouraging and life-giving to those around us um, and I'm always available for people to ask questions. Hey, should I say this to someone? <laughs> but if I have to question it in my head, then I probably just shouldn't ask it. Um, yeah. Well, I think that the point, though, is that they need to, people, all of us, not they, we need to get to a point where we're stopping before we ask that question. Because, I mean, there are so many people dealing with this. like one in four, right? Is I think right one number? in four is miscarriage, okay. but one in eight would be infertility. Yeah. Um, and if I could touch on something really quick that you haven't mentioned, but something that's really close to my heart and something that's talked about a lot is I want to just distinguish the fact that adoption does not equal pregnancy because there's this misconception um, and I'm not sure what it is or what drives it. Um, but I was asked so many times waiting for Evie or told that, you know, when you adopt, you're going to, you're going to get pregnant. And that is one of the most hurtful things. You think that you're being super encouraging, but that's one of the most hurtful things that you can say to a person that's kind of in a different route to Mm -hmm. becoming a parent. Um, because, you know, Pregnancy has never really, for a very long time, it was my only goal. But now my goal is for the Lord's will to be done, whatever that looks like. And that's just something that's that's very hard to navigate when it's said to you. Um, because you are, you're kind of overstepping the babies that are coming to you from birth mothers and through adoption. And um, that's a very hard thing to hear. Um and I, I have talked to a lot of women about that, and it's, it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to navigate when that's said. Yeah, it's really good. It's good to know. I, I love how much you're sharing about, I think there's a lot of people that are going to be listening to this podcast that have no, no concept, including me. And I'm, I'm just so grateful to know and have those filters up so that I can be the best friend and relative and just human right <laughs> that I can be toward toward those people because I want them to feel loved and supported and so finding the best way to do that right. um, is 
is like, I mean, we have to do it. Right. We have, and you know what? There is absolutely nothing wrong. One of my favorite things when we were in the adoption journey was just people asking me, hey, what do you, what do you need? What can I do for you today? Mm-hmm. How can I pray for you today? Um, you know, you don't really have to know a ton about even the adoption process, or you don't have to know all of the medications involved in infertility. Mm-hmm. You just have to love, and you just have to be slow to speak. And that's with anything. That's with any journey, you know. And I just appreciate so much just, you know, the opportunity to speak to all of these all of these things and all of these journeys, you know, and there's just so much grace. And I want to, you know, just reiterate the fact that people's hearts are just, people's hearts are in the right place. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that it took me a, a while to realize that, you know, people weren't against me. They weren't saying those things to hurt me. They were really just trying to support and trying to love, but they just weren't sure how to do it. Right. And so I think that these that's why these conversations are really important yeah. in this arena and so many others, you know? Yeah. I think it's so, so important for us to always be striving to understand this, the circumstances that people are dealing with that we have no clue <laughs> how, how to speak to them. Because when we stop and pause and try our best to love people the way that they need to be loved and not necessarily how we think we would want to be loved in that situation or whatever, I think that that's when we are effective in actually being Jesus to people because he knew what people needed and that's what he did. Exactly. Well, I'm so grateful that you're just willing to share about all of that, all that journey and your story. It's, It's... it's awesome how settled you are now. And even now, like, you're like, you're still on this journey of wanting biological children. And you're like, hey, if you want to ask somebody an appropriate question, like, go ahead and send it to me. You know, like, right. I mean, you're, you're able to, to not be offended. Right. And that's. I spent too many years struggling with that. Right. And so I got to a point where. I realized some truth in the journey and now now one of my goals of course is to be life-giving but also be able to kind of get this information out and also be able to receive it because I am further along in the journey as maybe some others Mm -hmm. and I don't want the questions that were asked to me to be asked from someone that's only been trying for a baby for maybe a year or so mm-hmm. because it could be detrimental right. to her. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my biggest cries of my heart right now is I will I'll take that on. Like I'll take those questions or I'll you know be able to kind of maneuver through helping someone ask questions or be there for someone who's struggling for, with infertility or they're in the adoption process because I was once that girl. Right. I was once that girl that had, you know, seen, you know, 70 negative pregnancy tests and didn't know what was the matter and why is this not happening to me and, you know, we're doing everything that we can and we've taken all of these drugs that are supposed to help and, you know, all of these emotions and I don't want that to be asked of her absolutely well i i love that you're fighting for people it's awesome 
Well, there are three questions I want to ask before we wrap up. Um, the first is, what are you dreaming about right now? I am dreaming about the promises that the Lord has shown us over the last few years. And I am really expectant and dreaming about them actually happening this year. Um, I'm also, in a very silly way, I guess, dreaming about our vacation in a couple of weeks that we will be taking (laughs) (laughs) for our anniversary. I'm definitely dreaming about being away for a little bit, so I'm excited about that. How long are you guys going to be gone? Um, I think it's just going to be a a three-day, four-night kind of thing. I'm really not good about staying away from my child for longer than that. So there's that. That's that's for another podcast. That's another conversation. <laughs> I just I have a really hard time being away from my little Evie girl. So I don't think that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's really not. Well, okay. So what has brought you joy this year, this month, and then this week? I would say this year something that's brought me joy and granted, it's only happened twice, but Drew and I have made a commitment to do a date night every single month. And we have done our, we've stuck with our commitment so far. <laughs> um, but that has brought me so much joy so far this year. It has been so good it's just being intentional about that time, and it's been great. And what has brought me joy this month, I believe we're only four days in, <laughs> and Katie said I couldn't say the podcast. So. <laughs> Honestly, I would today specifically church has brought me so much joy today. Um, I have been it's been such a joy to be around people today and around the worship team today and in worship a couple of times the Lord has spoken some really cool things to me today and it's been a joy. Church was amazing today. I'm so glad that that you loved it. I loved it too. <laughs> so anything else this week that you just loved? This week, um, I I really enjoyed my time with um, Evie at the zoo this past week. We had a really good time um, with some friends, and the sun is shining now, and it's just been so great. Um, she is in a season of a lot of words and a lot of um, reactions to things, and so it's just been really fun and it's amusing. It's fun to watch her. It's very fun to watch, Gosh, yes. I love just the wonder of our kids. They are, they just walk around like everything is the best thing Every, ever. And everything's new, mm-hmm. you know, and it's in songs, and, you know, it's, it's simple things that we're so used to seeing, and so oh, yeah. it brings this whole new, like, light to things. And you know when you're blowing bubbles, this is Jonah's, like, jam right now so you know you're blowing bubbles and they're like you know normal size bubbles but you can kind of slow down and get like one big bubble yes <laughs> he'll go <gasps> it's just like every time and then he just kind of stares at it until it pops like he's like he gets like just frozen he's like that is the most incredible thing it's just I've the coolest ever thing seen in but my he life. also does that with food as well so, except with food, it's more like, ooh. Jonah loves food. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. I could have listed that on my things that bring me joy. Because every time I give him food, it makes me happy. It's like I'm also eating it because he gets so excited. <laughs> You're eating like, vicariously. Yes, I seriously think about that every time. It's fantastic. Maybe he'll be a chef. He is a food Maybe. Man. 
Okay, the last thing is what person, place, or thing is inspiring you right now? Um, Sarah Haggerty is an author that she's written two books, and I have um, a lot of respect for her and her journey. Um, you would have to, you know, read about her because I'm not going to go into everything. But um, she has really inspired me lately because of how her journey unfolded and how she ended up being um, a mom in her like later years. Um, when she expected it to happen a lot sooner. Mm -hmm. And I'm just finding so much inspiration. Obviously, there was a ton of pain there and growing and maturing, and it was not an easy road. Um, but it has inspired me so much because I am in my 30s, and things did not go as I had them in my head. And what a beautiful thing, you know, to have your children or be blessed with children a little bit later than you expected. Mm -hmm. And so she's just really, it's been very encouraging kind of following her journey. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this. I am really excited for everybody to get to hear your perspective. I think it's refreshing and incredible and that God is all over your story. I am going to be praying along with everybody listening to this podcast. Pray for Kaylee and Drew. I just know that God has something really cool in store in your future. Yes. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. Thanks so much for listening to my conversation with Kaylee. If you're in a season of waiting, I hope you are encouraged today that no matter how long this season lasts, God's in it with you. He's in every detail, every moment, and He sees you and knows the desires of your heart. I'm praying for you and I truly believe that you will see God's faithfulness in ways that fill your life with joy and peace as you continually trust in Him. Keep surrendering those desires back to God every day. Put your dreams in His capable hands. His plans for you are the very, very best. If you loved today's episode, I'd be so grateful if you'd take a second to leave a great review for us on iTunes. Your reviews actually help the podcast become more visible in the app so other people can discover it. Be sure to subscribe to the show as well so you don't miss any of the exciting things we have coming soon. You can find Kaylee on Instagram at Kaylee Berkland and support those adoptive families at cheers to plan A underscore adoption underscore. If you've been encouraged by the podcast or need prayer or have any questions for me, please feel free to message me on Instagram at Katie Lee Vogel. You can also connect and follow along with the podcast on our new profile at Untethered Podcast on Instagram. That's it for today's show. Thanks again for pressing play. We'll see you next time. Oh,